Okay, people, so it is day three of the BFI 63rd London Film Festival. And, um, yeah, it's been a good day. It's been a good day. Watched some films, did an interview. It's all good, people. So today I'm going to be bringing you... Um, what am I bringing you today? Okay, yes. That's it. So we've got Hope Gap. We've got The Last Black Man in San Francisco. And we've got Little Joe. So, um, yeah, it's not a bad one. Not a bad one at all. So sit back, relax, and let's get into it. Okay? Cool, cool. <laughs> Okay, so I've just seen Little Joe. This is the new film from Jessica Horsner. Um, it was produced by Bruno Wagner, Bertrand Fave, Philippe Boubert, Martin Gauchelot, Jessica Horsner, and Geraldine O'Flynn. Um, Horsner... And Geraldine Bagard wrote the script. And the film is starring Emily Beecham as Alice, Ben Wishaw as Chris, Kerry Fox as Bella, uh, Kit Connor as Joe, and David Wilmot as Carl. So... Um, the gist of the film is this. Alice, a single mother, is dedicated senior plant breeder at a corporation engaged in developing new species. She has engineered a very special crimson flower, remarkable not only for its beauty, but also for its therapeutic value. If kept at the ideal temperature, fed properly and spoken to regularly, this plant makes the owner happy. Against company policy, Alice takes one home as a gift for her teenage son, Joe. They christen it Little Joe. But as it grows, so too does Alice's suspicions that her new creations may not be as harmless as their nickname suggests. <clears throat> well, that's mostly right. I mean, um, I think Alice, like the um, the idea that the plant could be problematic is brought to Alice, and she doesn't really want to um you know, believe the fact. Uh, but as more and more things happen, she starts to wonder. Now, this was, like, it's an interesting film because of the way it's being played. Like, um, so at the very beginning, we see um, Alice goes to see a counsellor. And she's talking about um, just different issues, like different concerns. You know, she's worried about 
control, like losing control, being too controlling, maybe. Um, she's also worried about maybe not being there for her son. The fact that her ex-husband wants, you know, more um, custody of Joe. And, and she's worried if, like, you know, Joe wants to go live with him full time. So she has certain concerns. And I think you kind of see that in Alice herself. You know, the portrayal of the character. That she's kind of closed off. She's kind of, you know, slightly buttoned up. Um, she doesn't want things that might infringe on her you know, her time with her son, so there's a lot of different things like that, like the notion of dating someone doesn't seem to be on her agenda, you know, so she's very much focused on her job and her son, and that seems to be it, so when certain things happen in the film, you you see kind of the doubts, the concerns, the fears, you know, all of that play out on Alice. Now, so, like, what's really interesting as well is the way this film is kind of being played. Because, so, we have characters that are very formal with each other. And then, as the film goes on, you get a slight change in speech pattern. You get a slighted, stilted, nuanced conversation. And all of this, I think, is is done to give you the perception of a possible change. Now, it's only, because it's only slightly different to what we've already seen. So then that's up to the viewer to think to themselves, ah, have things changed here, or is this just normal? So it's just this weird kind of um, paradigm that we find ourselves in, you know? Like, what are we actually seeing? Is this reality? Is this inducement? What is it? And that's really interesting. Um, we also have this weird kind of soundtrack by um, Teji Itu. And it's kind of mesmerizing because we, we have like these sounds. So we have these sounds... It's a kind of like a Japanese kind of music. But then it's interspersed with like these beeping noises. This high-pitched like noise. That every now and again we just hear it. And like sometimes it's the precursor to something. And but yeah, it's just this sudden weird high-pitched like... Beep. 
like weird noise, you know. And then also what they do is kind of intersperse this kind of uh, like shouting, screaming. So it's all very odd, but it all kind of helps to um, like point out certain things within the film. And kind of just heighten the feelings that you may be having with certain scenes. So it's very weird, but it does work. It really does work. And so we have that. You have the music. Then you have the language. And the nuance. And the acting is very good because people are having to play these kind of deadpan roles a lot of the time and act in this really stiff but loose way. Like there's a lot of facial expressions. Like sometimes we have these shots of like a character just staring off or looking at something intently, which helps you kind of have this weird view of the film, you know, this weird kind of view on what's actually happening here, this is weird, this is odd, hmm, and yeah, it's it's a complex kind of layered film, you know, it just and complex in the in the I feel the fashion that what we are seeing is like is it a caricature like it like what is this and so yeah it's this kind of weirdness but done very subtly but. It's definitely playing you. And that's great. It's very interesting. It's very, because there's a points that you think, oh, is someone or are they, oh, I'm not quite sure. I'm not, like, even at the end, there was a point where you're thinking, which way is this leaning? You know? Is this real? Like, what are we... What's happening here? And and especially, look... Ink, mo- a lot, everyone's probably acting really well. Like, there was a, a really weird moment with... Um, Alice and... Um, well, I mean... Hmm, um, Chris and Alice, otherwise Emily and Ben... They're in a pub, and yeah, like one something happens, and then they have to kind of navigate moving forward. Then it kind of, you know, then it's played again, and you're like, oh, yeah, this is. But the way they play that scene is great. You know, it, it's just. Yeah, it's handled well. And then at the very end, after another 
weird interaction. Well, when I say weird act interaction, it's not a good interaction. Not a good interaction at all. But then we get the, um, <clears throat> you know, the play on from that. And that's just odd. Very odd. But, yeah, it, it just leaves the viewer just like, what is going on? But this this is a, an interesting film. Like, it, it's, it's weird, but, yeah, very interesting. And it, it, it kind of makes you wonder, like, what would be the price of happiness, right? What would you be willing to accept? Like, what would you be willing to let go if you you kind of perceive that something could bring people happiness? And yeah, that's his film, man. Um, so if you like psychological stuff, if you like weird eccentric, then... I would definitely say this is a film for you because it is all of that for sure. All of that for sure. Um, and you can have the opportunity to see it tomorrow, Saturday, the 5th of October. It's playing at quarter past three at um, the Cine Luminaire. Uh, and then you've got another chance on Saturday the 12th of October uh, 11am at the BFI South Bank. Um, it's playing in the studio so that's a very intimate screen. Um, now, what on the website it's showing that the, the, fifth, the screening on the 5th is um, that's still got tickets. But the screening on the 12th, at the moment, it is sold out. But, as we've said before, there are, you know, often returns. So, if you arrive at the venue, I believe it's 45 minutes before the film is meant to start. I believe that's when returns get released. But always check. Double check. If, you, if you're at the BFI, um... Pop to the box office, you know, ask about tickets, give them a call. You never know people. But yeah, that is Little Joe by um, Jessica Husner. Um, and it is starring Emily Beecham, Ben Whitshaw, Kerry Fox, Kit Connor and David Wilmot. Okay, so today's film was The Last Black Man in San Francisco. So, this was directed by Joe Talbot, who also um, produced the film, along with uh, Khalil Neal, uh, Dede Gardner, Jeremy Kleiner, and Christina Wu. Um... Talbot also, um, I think he uh, he helped write the film 
along with um, Jimmy Jimmy Fails, and um, the story is also partly based on Ta- Fails' own life. So the film it stars Jonathan Majors, Danny Glover, Tishina Arnold, Rob Morgan, Mike Epps. And Finn Whitrock, and the um, the <clears throat> the plot of the film is this: Jimmy, who's played by Fowles, dreams of reclaiming the beautiful late nineteenth-century home his grandfather built in the heart of the city. Before harder times and changing demographics forced his family out. He and his best friend Mont, played by Majors, scheme to make this happen while Jimmy annoys the sitting tenants with guerrilla gardening on the beloved Fillmore house. A skateboarder and dreamy, suit-wearing playwright, the pair are at odds with the tough guys around the neighbourhood. And spend their time working to deliver Jimmy's dream while living with Mont's grandfather, played by Glover. Occasionally, a film comes around that thrillingly invents its own cinematic rhythms, perfectly suited to its subject. The Last Black Man in San Francisco is such a film, and it's one to make you your head sing and heart sore. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, this film is, it's definitely different. This is a quirky film. It, it really just plays to the beat of its own drum, you know? It's, <clears throat> and it's hard to kind of think of, like, Films with a similar flow, you know? There's definitely nothing really mainstream that kind of moves like this. Which, you know, is probably going to stop this from being a huge hit. But, that's not always... It's not always a bad thing, you know what I mean? Like... As long as the film can make back the costs and everything like that, make a bit of a profit, you know, it's all good. Like, I think it should always be the main focus to tell an interesting story, you know? And this is, like, it's very complex. And I I liked it. I was frustrated with it for sure because I think the way we kind of see this film, the way we're introduced to this film, like Jimmy and Mont, they're intelligent dudes. You know, they see the world in different shades, but while still understanding the confines 
that bind them. You know? That's the original impression that we get. And as the film kind of rolls on, you're like, okay, yeah, I, I, I see... I see these guys. I understand their driving force. You know, the mechanism that is compelling them to do these things. But then it gets to a point and certain things happen and you're and it does make you wonder because like people that move the way they move, think the way they think, they should understand certain things that occur, you know, there's certain things that occur, and, like, it seems to catch them completely left field, and that seems odd, like, it, it, there's the things um that crazy you know they're not like yeah they're not things that are just like oh i've never seen that before thou that's rare you know, it, it, it's like stuff that's just a bit like well yeah because everyone knows that so it makes you you're kind of left thinking wait so how are they how are they kind of taken by this? That doesn't really make any sense. It's a it's a, it's a weird situation, you know? And yeah, I think it did kind of I mean, spoil the film is is probably not the right word, but it it did change my feelings on it. You know, because I think from something that you I possibly could have really, you know, I mean, just really liked that that would have really resonated with me. It just became something that was like, yeah, that was okay. And I think that's it was such a shame. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was just so frustrating that there were these weird points that just didn't make any sense. You know, and it, and I mean, it just they didn't seem to make any sense to the to the characters that we had been seeing. That's the thing, because, you know, like there's certain things in some films that don't make sense. But you're like, OK, but yes, that character. Yeah, I, I see that that character would have done those things. But in this film, you kind of question. Yeah, it just makes you question like I don't like the character that we've been watching wouldn't have fallen for that or or wouldn't have made those weird assumptions so there was that that was a little problematic but I think as a um directorial debut Talbot does do a a, a, a nice job here like so I liked the tone of the film. I liked the the shots that he used to kind of bring these things to life. That was all very enjoyable. You know, I liked the the score that went with the film. 
that was really nice. It really worked. It helped kind of bring these things to life. So that was all good. Um, yeah, it it was just... It was just a few little points, as I said, that make you just a bit not sure with, you know, just the way it all kind of ends and everything like that. It just became, it just, it got a little bit of, it got a little bit messy at the end, I would say. But, yeah, I mean... I like the fact that it took chances and it strived. It strived to do something a little bit different. You know, I don't think it fully pulled it off. Because, like, I mean, last year we had Sorry to Bother You, right? Now, these are completely different films. But the where they share similarities that they were both doing different things kind of strange stuff that we haven't really seen before or of late you know um and I kind of feel sorry to bother you pulled it off but this it just falters at the end but yeah as I said look I commend it for trying it's a it's a good first effort so, you know, this, this is a platform, and so, you know, it makes me think I'd like to check out Talbot's next, you know, his sophomore effort, so that's what this film does, you know, it, it, it's not quite the film that I wanted, but it has given me interest in what's to come. So, you know, um, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, it will be screening tomorrow. So that's the 5th of October at quarter past three at the Odeon Tottenham Court Road. And then you'll be able to see it Friday the 11th of October at 8.30. So, and that will be at the BFI. So that's not bad. So Saturday and Friday, and I think they're both at times that people could possibly see them. So at the moment, it is showing that these are both sold out. But there are often returns. So if you get, I believe if you get to the cinema, um, I think it's an hour or half an hour before the film is meant to start, then they release all the returns, and um, it will be a first come, first serve. Now, listen, I double check the double check the times. Does it's even an hour and a half or hour before the film? So double check that because you know I don't want to give you the wrong information. Um, and yeah, go go try check it out. It, it's an you know it's an interesting film, and if you like kind of offbeat odd little indie films yeah this will be all you but yeah so it's the last black man in san francisco and it's by 
Joe Talbot starring Jimmy Fails, Jonathan Majors, Rob Morgan, Danny Glover, Tishina Arnold, Mike Epps, and Finn Whitrock. Okay, so I've just come out of a um, screening of a film called Makeup. This was written and directed by Claire Oakley. It's produced by Emily Morgan and it's starring Molly Windsor, Joseph Quinn and Stephanie Martini. Um, the, the gist of the film is this. So, teenager Ruth, played by Windsor, travels to a seaside holiday park to stay with her boyfriend Tom. It's off-season, so the resort is mostly deserted, except for a few residents and a handful of staff charged with sprucing up the place. Ruth gradually settles into a new environment, finding work and making a new friend in the form of makeup enthusiast Jade. But one afternoon, while giving Tom's caravan a spring clean, Ruth finds evidence her beau might be cheating on her. As her desire to uncover the truth turns into an obsession, she begins to realise she might be looking for something else entirely, transforming her remote coastal setting into an intangible labyrinth of creeping intrigue. Claire Oakley inventively flirts with genre conventions to weave a singular tale of self-acceptance and sexual awakening. Um, yeah, this is a, a definitely a different type of film, you know. It, it, it's, it was an odd little thing, but intriguing as well. Um... I mean, one of the things that really threw me was the fact that Ruth and Tom do not look the same age. So I, I, I believe that it said that they're both meant to be eighteen. Yeah, I, you know, what I mean, when you first see it, it looks like Tom is a lot older. So at first, I was a bit like, "Yo, what's going on?" You know what I mean? Just like. Yo, this this dude messing with a young little girl? That ain't right. Um, yeah, but uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure that is the case. But yeah, that's what you kind of um, assume. But yes, yeah, so y- you have her coming. But it, it's kind of like there's no plan for her to be there. So... You know, she's trying to find ways to be occupied. So, as I said, like, she starts to clean up and then she finds hairs in the place. Which is like, oh, she freaks out. You know, she's she's freaking out. And then it's like, everywhere she looks, she's like, oh, is that hair? Is that the hair? Is that the hair? Is that the hair? And she's just looking everywhere. And trying to, um, yeah, trying to find an answer to this question. And um, 
it's while she's doing that, I think there's a realization she needs to be busy. So she gets work on the park. And like the woman that runs the park is crazy. She's an odd woman. And it's hilarious. Like, and she comes out with these weird kind of statements. Like, um, <laughs> oh, like one of the funniest things she said was, um, the sea is a great healer. Once I learned how to swim, I was no longer afraid of dogs. <laughs> Which is like, what? How is that connected? You know what I mean? It's like, what? But yeah, she 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 does throw out some gems every now and again. Um, so yeah, Ruth has now got a job. And I think she she's like trying to immerse herself in life at the resort, trying to make friends, trying to challenge herself. You know, but she can't swim. So going into the sea. And so she's trying to do these things. But in the back of her mind, she's thinking Joe is cheating on her. Because then, like, certain things don't add up as well. Like, where is Joe? Yo, what's he doing right now? And, and things like that. And, yeah, I I think this all makes her reevaluate things and herself which is um it it does become interesting because like you know you you think that the film possibly is going in some different ways like there's a point when it seems creepy as hell. It seems creepy as hell. Like this could be, you know, this the, like this could be a horror. You know, so like you think, oh, is it actually a horror? Is that what I've come to watch? A horror film? Oh shit! I, or, or like you know, your your tease between a horror, a horror. A psychological um, drama. So sometimes things happen and you're like, did we see that? Or is that her mind playing tricks? Or is it even a fever dream? So a lot of different kind of things start happening. And you're like, you know, what am I actually... um, what am I actually viewing here? You know? And and so that makes things interesting. Because it's just like... Oh, what, what kind of twists are going to happen here? You know, what's getting thrown up? I'm not sure. And so we have all of this interplay. But then all of this interplay is making her kind of find herself you know she's like oh who am I like what am I really doing because you know she's come to the result to be with Joe 
So without Joe, who is she? You know, so that's like a big thing that seems to um seems to be there. And it makes things very interesting. And I like I I think it's it's kind of done pretty well. You know, like I think you really do get a sense of her finding her way, you know? So um yeah, all of that is is interesting. You know, you you're you're kind of thinking. And um then it's like this awakening in her. But there's these all these pulling factors of like, oh, what should she do? Like, does she actually believe this? And so there's all these different kind of themes playing through on stuff. Which, um, yeah, like, I think it is pretty much believable. Like, there are some kind of things that I think possibly could have been, um, could have been shown a bit clearer. You know, there possibly could have been a little bit more. But, I have to say, you know, um, it's not a bad... This isn't a bad kind of effort from um, Claire Oakley. And um, I think as the film gets on, like you're, you're believing more in what, you know, Molly Windsor is um, showing you. And Stefani, um, Stephanie Martini, she's like, she is... Um, I think she does a good job. Because you are intrigued by that character. And what that character is going to do. Yo, I think... Joe... I think there are... No, sorry, Tom. Her boyfriend, Tom. Um, there, I, I think his character could do with a bit more beefing up, you know, just to, because it is a bit one note, so a little bit more on Tom, I think, would have helped the whole thing, because then, it, it, you know what I mean, because it, it will give you a bit more on to why Ruth would need to question herself, you know, so possibly a bit more on Tom, but yeah, this isn't a bad film. It's it's interest. It is interesting. It does make you um kind of look at things and assess things. So yeah, it's it's not a bad um it's not a bad run. Um, it's eighty six minutes, so you know, not not too long or anything like that. Um. And you can see it uh, on Sunday, the 6th of October, at quarter past three. That will be playing at The View, Leicester Square. Or Friday, the 7th of October, 
at 10 to 9 also at the view Leicester Square so um yeah I I mean I would say um if you enjoyed Cam which played last year at the festival and is now on Netflix so yeah I think if you enjoyed Cam then um this is I think this is a similar kind of self-discovery um kind of weird psychological happening so yeah if you like cam i think you would want to give makeup a go so yeah that's makeup written and directed by claire oakley produced by emily morgan and starring molly windsor joseph quinn and stephanie martini okay so i have just come out of hope gap this is the new film from William Nicholson, who also um, wrote the screenplay. It was produced by Saranda McDermott and David M. Thompson, and the film is starring Annette Benning, Bill Nye, and uh, Josh O'Connor. Um, Okay, so the gist of the film is this. When web designer Jamie, who's played by O'Connor, returns to his parents' bohemian coastal home for the weekend, he's prepared for the theatrics of poetry editor Grace and history teacher Edward as they argue in the kitchen. But when Edward pulls Jamie aside, to reveal that after 29 years of marriage, he's had enough and his bags are packed. It's clear that an almighty storm is about to descend. It turns out that hell hath no fury like a 60-something divorcee, and that Benning gives a barnstorming performance as the ascetic and often unreasonable grace firing out snappy one-liners whilst undergoing an emotional apocalypse. And Bill Nye is a superb as a quiet man who just wants to update Wikipedia in peace. Shot with a ravishing sense of design and colour, making the most of lush English coastline, this is an emotionally astute portrait of a marriage of regrets uncovered, decisions made too late, and the uh, pre pre precariousness of hope. Um, now, the story is also based on the retreat from Moscow by William Nicholson. So yeah, it, it's um, it's an interesting film because. Yeah, we're like, this is the thing. So we, we, we're greeted. The, the first thing we see is um, Grace working at her computer. And Edward comes in. And, like, so she's like, oh, how's your day? And he replies, but he doesn't ask her how her day is. And straight away she's like, oh, 
and my day was, and then he goes to make himself a cup of tea, and she's like, did you make me a cup? And he's like, oh, I thought you had one. And so we already see that there's a disconnect, you know, that they're, 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 they're not quite in sync. And it's probably been like this for a while. You know, you definitely get that kind of sense. It's been like that for a while. And this is a routine. But the, neither are like happy with that routine. It, it's become tiresome, but it's just that thing that they do, you know? And like, you have Edward trying to, he, he's definitely just this quiet guy trying to um, just live, essentially. You know, not rock the boat, just he's happy enough tinkering around. And Grace is always pushing him and being like, oh, you, you should talk more. And it, when he does say something, no, that's not what I mean. I want you to talk about this. And he's just like, but I'm just... Like, I don't know what you want. And so we, yeah, we have this weird situation where you're, you're looking at it and she isn't happy with him. You know, she wants more. She wants someone who is probably bigger than what he is. You know? And so the film moves on and then it comes with the revelation that, you know, Edward wants to leave. Edward wants to leave. Like, you, you'd kind of think that it would be Grace who would be leaving, but no, it's so Edward wants to leave. And so then the film is dealing with this because we, we essentially, first of all, we have Grace um, like she's just like well you can't leave I won't let you leave but you're wondering does she want Edward because he left you know, because he was the one to walk out does she because we also realise that she's very religious so it's like does she want the marriage to um, to stay because you know, she thinks it's a religious institution and you can't break it. You know, does she want the marriage to stay because, like, she just feels that, you know, once you've started it, that's how it is. Like, you're never quite sure if the reason she wants this marriage to, um, you know, persist if it's really through love, even though she's like, oh, I love Edward, like, you're never quite sure. You know, you're never quite sure if that is actually a fact or if it's just the thing you say. Um, so, yeah, so, so we have all of this. And, you know, so their son, Jamie, he's come over. And we also kind of see that there is... He's having his own romantic issues, you know, and so he's trying to deal with that. 
But we also, with, with the situation with Jamie, we're seeing how Grace is with that. Like, you know, Jamie will say something and, you know, she'll make a little sniping remark at him. So it's just like, oh, so it's not just Edward. You know, that, that's just the way Grace is. You know, always wants the last word, always feels that her word is the way to go and other people's views aren't really as valid. So, yeah, we're in this weird situation um, that, that, that's kind of looking at, at this falling relationship. And, like, uh, the film often, like, refers to communication. And I think that's the key. Like, obviously, these two people, you know, Grace and Edward, they haven't really communicated for a long time. And we see the pitfalls. We see the pitfalls. You know, I, 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 you do really feel that there is a love there. But it's a different love for each of them. And so it's hard to coalesce when there is no common ground or there is no, um, like there's, there, there doesn't seem to be the ability to find a common ground or just meet somewhere and go, all right, it doesn't matter that you don't do this or you don't talk like this and, you know, not trying to change each other. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a kind of, it's a harder film to watch. Just, and, and not because, you know, the film is lovely to look at and it, it's very enjoyable, but it's hard to watch because I think this is the fear. Like, this is the fear that you, you can't, you, you know what I mean? That you're not going to meet someone who you can relate to. You know what I mean? And if you do meet someone, it could still fall apart. You know? And does someone actually love you for you? Or are they loving what they think you should be, hope you should be, or just a perception that they think you are. So once that realisation is, oh, they're not this person, then is it all going to fall apart? You know, so there's all these kind of things, and, and, and you're seeing this situation. Like, you know, they, they often refer back to their parents. And so Edward's like, oh, yeah, I realised my dad never... He was never affectionate. And you see him with Jamie, and it, like that he's he talks to Jamie, and you know all of this, but he's very awkward in giving Jamie a hug. And so then, when you see that Jamie has his own issues within a relationship and connecting to someone, being there for someone, you're like, oh, yeah. So yeah, it's kind of. It, it, it's the whole nature nurture. It's a kind of passed on. It's a trait that's been picked up from what he has observed from his parents. So yeah, there's there's all this kind of stuff that kind of like eats at you. You know, when you're watching a film and you're just like, oh, 
you know, is, is, that, is that me? Like, how am I in that situation? Where you're, you're kind of, it's making you take a look at yourself. And, you know, try and, and, and work out, you know, like, what, what kind of person am I in, in these regards? Um, the film is, is lovely to look at. You know, like, oh, they, they live by the coast, so, like, oftentimes they'll go for walks, or they'll remember back to walking Jamie as a baby, and so we get these kind of huge sweeping vista shots of the coastline and the white cliffs of Dover. And there is one scene where the camera um, is a sweeping shot, and the camera's moving forwards, and then it kind of goes over the cliff and oh my god, it's very disorientating. You're just like, wait, 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 I'm gonna fall oh no, I'm not falling, am I? It's a film. And you're just like, whoa, over the edge. It's like whoo. But yeah, there's a lot of these sweeping kind of shots, like around the room or you know, across the outside. And yeah, it's 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 very nice. Like it, it, it's really nice to look at, and it, that goes down really to um, you have to give props to the cinematographer Anna Valed, Valed, Anna Valdez Hanks, who has done a, a you know a magnificent job, and we have this music, this kind of lilting. This music that kind of is playing throughout the film. Um, Alex Heffs was, you know, he, he handled the music of the film, and, and this music is very, it's very pleasing. You know, you're hearing this, and it's just like, ah, oh, that's very nice. But then it's kind of like, oh, but the film is dealing with this. You know, it's like the music is kind of trying to, um, to lull you, to, to give you a sense of hope. But then the film itself is just like, no, but it's falling apart. Ah, yeah, it's problematic. I mean, there was one um, amusing quote in the film, and it's like, unhappiness after a while just becomes uninteresting. And um, yeah, I, I think that's very true. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so you're wallowing sometimes when things aren't working out. But, yeah, it becomes boring. Like, when people ask you, hey, is everything okay? And you're, you're, like, you're talking about issues. It definitely becomes very boring. Like, hearing yourself talk about the same things over and over again. So it's a funny, it's a funny thing, because you're watching this film, and... You, like I think most people can relate on some some regard because like we've been in relationships that have ended. You know, maybe some people have been in marriages that have ended. Like we've just been in these situations and it's like what happens? How do you cope? Like what's the next step? And so we're watching Grace try to um find her way out of this situation and as I said look it's hard to kind of get your head around like is she mourning 
the loss of Edward or is she mourning the loss of this institution, this fixture in her life? Which is an, yeah, it's an, it's an interesting thing really. Like when you think about it, because yeah, I think sometimes people don't miss the person, they just miss what the situation stood for, you know? But um, yeah, I, the film is, there's a lot of poetry in this film. And it's funny because it does kind of come off more as a visual poem rather than, you know, a, a traditional film. And I think that's partly because of the language, you know, the, the, the dialogue that is being used and the, the you know, the, the cadences in, in how everyone is talking with each other. Because these are conversations that they're having. So some films you're wondering, like, it just seems like monologues, but no, these are honest-to-God conversations but their conversations are worded in a certain way. So you definitely get this kind of flow to it all. That's like, ah, oh, yeah, no, that's, that's it's, it's nice. So you, you, it's easy to listen to everything that's going on. It's easy to be, you know, enthralled with it all, like just, captivated by it all and also like it's a weird thing so like Edward Bill Nye he, he's talking in a very subdued kind of tone where Grace and that Benny is like she's talking in this odd kind of monotone it's not really a monotone though but yeah, it's this kind of off-kilter kind of pitch. And so when you have these, you know, these vocal cues going throughout the film, it does give you this sense of poetry in um, just this flowing narrative that's dealing with, like, relationships, communication, and hope lost. You know, it's like the film's hope gap, but it's kind of the loss of hope. That's what this really is. It's the loss of hope and trying to find your way back. Which, you know, it is sad. It is sad. Like, as I said, look, the film, uh, when the film starts, you do kind of, you're feeling bad for Edward in, in the way that, that kind of grace is. Then when the situation, it all kind of rolls out, you do feel sad for grace in how this has all happened. But then, in a way, you're still feeling sad for Edward as well. As he, he does seem to be lost. And you wonder, like, is he... I, I won't say, but um, it, it's just like... Was he just looking for a situation where he doesn't feel like he's constantly on the back foot? 
I think that's the kind of that's the kind of thing. Now the film is it's a hundred minutes, so it's not you know it's not crazy on the length. So it's like an hour and forty minutes, really. So it's um yeah, it's an easy watch. It's it's uh, it's an easy thing to sit through and listen to and just soak in. So yeah, it's it's very you know it's very enjoyable. But um, there are a couple more opportunities for you to see it. So it's playing tomorrow, Saturday, the fifth of October. At ten to two, at the Embankment Garden Cinema. So that's the the the, the pop up. So you say pop up, but it's huge. <laughs> so the, yeah, it's the, the cinema in between Embankment Underground and Charing Cross Station. Um, and then it's playing on to Sunday, Sunday the sixth of October, at quarter past three at the Curzon Soho. So that is just up from that, the, it's the theatre that's playing the, the, the Harry Potter thing. Um, I, I forget, I think it's the Haymarket Theatre, I, I, I might be wrong, but yes. Um, so they're your two opportunities to um, yeah, see this kind of interesting lyrical, visual thing. Um, I think another thing though with this film, you do feel bad for Jamie. He's caught in the middle of his parents. You know, the 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 this dissolution of their relationship. But then he's also I feel he's kind of rudderless himself. You know, he he his relationship has ended. He's trying to find answers to why. And yeah, so you, you kind of feel sad for him, really, the most. And I, because I think he's looking at it like, ah, oh, I'm like my dad. So this is how it's all going to end for me, you know. But um, yeah, I, I would recommend the film. It's a, it's a nice film. And it's funny, because last year we had the Bill Nye film. The, um, I think it was something all, something always nothing, something like that and that was another a, a great film with Bill and I that's kind of dealing with relationships and loss and all of that, so yeah he's returned with something a bit similar so um, if, if, you know, if you're a fan of that, if you're a, film, a fan of Bill Nye, I would definitely say, go check this out, it's um, it's Hope Gap uh, by um, William Nicholson, who wrote and directed it, produced by Sandra McDermott, um, David M. Thompson, starring Annette Bening, Bill Nye, and Josh O'Connor. Okay, there you go. Okay, people, so yeah, hopefully you enjoyed all of that. We have definitely got more of the same, not the same, reviews. But we got more of the same greatness, man. I'm coming at you tomorrow. But remember, check the episode details. Um, you'll have links there. You have the social media there, and you will have all the um, yeah, the screening times. 
and their venues. So, um, yes, if there's one of those films that you want to see, check the details, info's there. Or just give the BFI a call or check their website. Either way, you'll have your information, okay? So, we'll be back again tomorrow. Tomorrow's a busy-ass day, man. I'm just like, yo, it is stacked. So yeah, a lot of films coming at you tomorrow So uh, yeah, I hope you are ready for that But, you know, it's, it's all about the films right now, people So enjoy, alright? Peace